Well, once again, as we come to celebrate uh, this wonderful Christmas season, and we've been doing that all throughout uh, this month. It actually started last Sunday in, uh, in November. But we're all building towards uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, our big gathering together as we celebrate in here with uh, carols and, and candlelight and communion, uh, that m- m- glorious uh, Christmas Eve, that uh, I think the night of miracles when we anticipate once again the birth of Jesus Christ. And for me, uh, those are some words that remind me of the season that we're in. It's, uh, it's uh, anticipation and celebration. And we're reminded once again that it's all about uh, the special birth of a special, special child. Now, for me, I, I, probably you do as well, too. Um, I just think about that whole miraculous process of conception and, and creation uh, and, and God working through a man and a woman to bring a child into this world. And that's a, that, to me, is just an absolutely uh, marvelous thing, a mystery, a mysterious process that takes place. It's a miracle. Uh, and only God could bring that about. Uh, so I think that all children are special and all births are special and miraculous. Uh, last week we shared with you uh, 10 uh, of the most popular children's names for boys and girls in 2016. A little more research this week tells us that uh, some exciting things, interesting things about the days when children uh, are born. Uh, it seems that um, Tuesday is the... Um, most popular day for children to be born. Interesting. I don't know why Tuesday, but that. Um, Monday is the next most popular day, and then Sunday seems to be the least uh, popular day or slowest day for births. Uh, and then the most popular month to be born in is what? What month? September. How many of you have September have September birthdays? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I think that's because of all the excitement and celebration that uh, parents have during the Christmas season. There's a kind of a rush on September babies, okay? I'm a September baby, September 19th. Now, um, so we come once again to think about this birth of Christ and what a miraculous birth it is. And again, in the news this week, there was another story about a miraculous birth. This took place May 6, 2016 in Edmonton, Canada, uh, that Tim and Bethany Webb welcomed quadruplets. Four girls, Abigail, Emily, Grace, and Michaela. Now, uh, having quadruplets is, is very rare in itself. Um, and these four girls are even more rare in the fact that uh, they are identical. Can you imagine that? Identical quadruplets. And it talked about how uh, the mothers that mother had the uh, toenails painted one color for each of the girls, you know, so they could determine them that way. I said, you just had to have, make sure you had the right one at the right time when you put the toenail, painted them and all that kind of stuff like that. Now, uh, different, uh, different accounts of this birth gives us different odds on, on these quadruplets because they were conceived without the use of fertility drugs. And as far back as they could trace it in both of this, the parents' family on the men, the groom, or the father's side and the mother's side, no multiple births were there. And they did not use any fertility drugs. But one report said that the odds of having quadruplets without fertility drugs is 1 in 729,000. The odds of having identical quadruplets without fertility drugs is 1 in 67 million. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, you just have to say, that is absolutely miraculous. 
So, in the first service, 9 o'clock service, uh, and again, you get the benefit from that, and you might can think about this out for yourself on this, but I said, you know, those are uh, interesting odds. I'm not sure how those are figured, but what would be the odds about the virgin birth? You know what the odds are of the virgin birth? One of our smart guys figured that out during the first service. He said it's one in one. One in one. You only needed one. And God had, God, it was God's plan, so the odds were one in one came to pass. So we're talking about a child with great anticipation of the birth of this child, who is a special child, a miraculously conceived, miraculously born in a virgin birth. Then we also talk about the name of this child. And the naming of the baby is special and significant. In fact, a study done a few years ago said that if a child has a very unusual name, so you want to be careful how you name your children, that that child is four more times likely to have trouble in life, maybe being a juvenile delinquent than some of the other ones. Um, I read also an interesting story, at least I thought it was kind of interesting and funny at the same time, about a guy who uh, appeared in court, and I'm not sure exactly what court, how you go through this process. He wanted to change his name, have his name changed. And the judge asked him, okay, well, what's your name? And he said, William. William Stinks. And the judge thought to himself, well, I can't blame the guy. I probably won't mind change too. So he says, all right, well, what would you like to have your name changed to? He said, Bill. <laughs> well, hey, if you're going to get a chance to change your name, make a difference with it, okay? All right. Now, so we know naming the child. Naming a child is an important event. And you, and I always love to hear the stories uh, when we celebrate a birth and children are named here by their parents. They hear these family names or how did you come about these names and, and all of that. But when our Lord was born, um, we know that there were the particular names given. He will be called Emmanuel and they call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. But there are also about 700 other names and titles that were given to Jesus. And we have to ask the question, why? And I think the answers are basically twofold because, number one, there's not one particular name beyond Jesus or Emmanuel that could really define and encapsulate everything there is about this wonderful Christ child, this God in the flesh, this Emmanuel. I mean, just uh, so many things about who he is, his nature, character, and all of that that we couldn't adequately describe. And the same thing about the various roles that he assumes. That would be an interesting study for you to do. Maybe this coming year about the names of Christ, the names of God, and praying through those names. Well, today we come to talk about the birth of Emmanuel. And we know that that's a Bible name for, for this Christ child uh, that was given in the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, it's about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. But I want to look at how that is fulfilled and how the angel comes to Matthew in Matthew's to comes to Joseph in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 18 through 25. This is called the birth of Jesus Christ according to Matthew's gospel. And Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and she gave him the name Jesus. What an incredible announcement about the birth of God into our world. We looked last week about this surprise announcement uh, to Mary and, and how the angel Gabriel came to her and let her know that she was, she was favored highly by God, which simply meant that she was graced by God. And because of God's grace in her life, she was chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. And how she dealt with that issue and, and not, the, not necessarily the why, but the how will this come about because I'm a virgin. And then all of this is, has led us to where, to where uh, Joseph now uh, is confronted with the angel because there was all this thought and concern that Joseph had about, well, what should I do? Should I divorce her quietly and put her away, or what should I do? You know, you've you got to admire Joseph for all that struggle he went through because there was going to be, uh, in the society, there was going to be a, a lot of whispering. There was going to be uh, a lot of uh, finger-pointing both at him and at Mary. Mary, because she was a single woman and, pro and pregnant, and his Joseph, uh, whose heart was given to Mary, and then she shows up to be having a child, and it's not Joseph's child. But the angel comes with this fantastic announcement about the birth of Emmanuel, and you think about this. This is the birth of God with us. It's an announcement about the fulfillment of prophecy. It's an announcement about a miracle of God's creation. And it's the reason for our anticipation and excitement and hope once again during this marvelous Christmas season. Why? Well, there are three reasons why. Number one, because of the nature of Jesus. Just think about the nature of Jesus. And how would you go about describing Jesus? What words would you choose? How in the world do you describe a baby who's born of a virgin? And whose father is God through the Holy Spirit. See, how, how do you describe God in the flesh, walking upon our earth, reaching out to the hurting masses of humanity? Isaiah said that God would be with us in Emmanuel. How do you describe that? What does it mean? Is God still in heaven or is he now down here with us? Is he man or is he God? Well, it's both to both of those questions. So how do you describe that which is spirit, which is what the Bible says that God is, and yet he became man in Jesus, when all you've ever known is either physical or material? How do you describe God who has all knowledge when all we have is limited knowledge? How do you describe God who is all-powerful when we are so limited in our power and in our ability. And the bottom line is we struggle with that because words really aren't adequate. Even though they've been, it's been tried all throughout the centuries, there have been the brightest and wisest of theologians who've tried to describe it. 
At one gathering in 451 A.D. in the Council of Chalcedon, some of the greatest theological minds of that time sat down to describe the nature of Jesus. And I just want you to, I just want you to hear this and see what you think about this, okay? This is what they said, describing the nature of Jesus. Perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. Truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body. Well, that's not too difficult to begin with. Then this is where it gets difficult. Consubstantial, co-essential with the Father according to the manhood. In all things like unto us without sin. That's a phrase we recognize. Okay, we may identify with that. Begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead. And then in these latter times for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary and of the Mother of God. According to the manhood, one and the same, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusably, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, and by the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved. Now, that's how you know God and how you can describe Christ, right? You all identify with that? You understand what's being said there? Hmm? Really? I like the way Paul says it. This is what he says to the Colossians. I can get my mind, my finite mind around these words. That he talks about Jesus and describes him as the image of the invisible God. That's pretty simple to understand. You see Jesus, you see God. You're able to see Jesus, and when you do that, you can see God who is the invisible God. He also says God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Again, I can begin to understand that. That means that in Jesus, everything about God is brought to fulfillment in Jesus. And then also Paul goes on to say, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That means in Jesus in the flesh, the man, born as a babe, but who became a man, everything about the fullness of God is in Jesus, the man. And yet at the same time, even all of those words are inadequate to describe Jesus. Early in my Advent reading uh, this year in preparation for celebrating Christmas and the birth of Jesus, uh, one of the writers pointed out something that I really had kind of not looked at in a while in, in, re- in regards to the Christmas season. But in 1 Timothy 3.16, this is what the Apostle Paul writes about this mysterious thing about the nature of Christ. And, and he simply says, beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. You understand that? He said the mystery of godliness is great. See, there is something mysterious about being able to try to grasp uh, this concept about the deity of God in a human form in the birth of Jesus Christ. Paul would go on to say after that, He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Now, whether that was a hymn or, or a poem about Christ, I think it's the essence of being able to understand something about the nature about Jesus. And the reality of it, though, is all wrapped around the incarnation, that is, God becoming flesh, becoming a, a 
person, a human being. And still, that is a great mystery that only God can bring about. But imagine that. God in the flesh, God from all eternity, God sinless and pure. And because of that nature in Jesus Christ, then our words really are inadequate to describe him. But yet we attempt to do so. And then I think another reason that there's this excitement and anticipation in the birth of Emmanuel is because of the purpose of Jesus in coming to us. What did the angel say to Joseph? Verse 21 ought to be so familiar. The angel said to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What was the purpose of Jesus coming to earth? Not just to dazzle us as God in the flesh, but he came for the exact purpose of saving us from our sins. The angels in Luke's gospel announced to the shepherds, Under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what do we celebrate at Christmas? We celebrate the fact that God looked down upon us and he saw us in our sin, he saw us in our need. And rather than deciding just to give up on us, he decided to send Jesus into the flesh so that he would be our Savior and that he would forgive us from our sins. Now, don't just gloss over that thought. Okay, I know this. Once again, Jesus is born at Christmas and he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he came to take away my sins. And if you've experienced him in that way and you know him as Savior, don't just, don't just take that lightly saying, you know, I did that sometime a long time ago. And you just kind of checked it off. Maybe you got a baptismal certificate somewhere shoved in a Bible or in a, in a memory book somewhere that your parents kept for you. But don't overlook the significance of that. See, God gave us his best gift when we were most undeserving. We were sinners, lost in our sins. We were at odds with God. We didn't have peace with God. You know, sometimes... Human beings get at odds with each other. Sometimes as children, sometimes in the, in the youth age, sometimes as adults. Never ceases to amaze me. In the life of the church, people can get at odds with each other. And so the simple solution to that is, well, we'll just go somewhere else. Why don't you sit down as redeemed people who are reconciled with God and deal with the issue of reconciliation between you and whatever other, other person is and whatever the issue is. You see, your salvation really means much, much more than just the fact that you are reconciled to God and your sins are forgiven. It means then that that's the pattern for how you deal with life as you go through life. And not a one of us in here had somebody rub us the wrong way at some point in time. One of the worst times we have to deal with people is during the holidays. We have to deal with family that you really don't want to be around. Isn't it interesting that we really get, we get to choose our friends and not our family? And oftentimes look at how diverse they are and how different they are, our friends that we choose versus our family. But think about that. The whole miracle about salvation is that simply because God loved us, he didn't let us die in our sins. And when you stop at the manger and you look in and you see the Christ child, you've got to realize that this is God's grace here. And that there are no words adequate enough to describe God's grace towards us in Jesus. But the Bible does teach us that when we come to the realization of sin in our life and the fact that we are separated and estranged from God, 
then we come to accept Him and acknowledge Him as Savior, then the marvelous process takes place and we're born again. Don't overlook that. That's the purpose of God in your life. It's a marvelous experience. It should be the highlight of your life and your Christian life. And what happens in that process? Well, the first effect is, of course, is that we're forgiven of our sins. Don't overlook it. Then comes the process of adoption as a child into the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're heirs to the kingdom of God along with Jesus Christ. We get peace with God. We're reconciled with God. And, of course, we know that we are bound for heaven and we have eternal life waiting for us in heaven. All of that's because of God's great love for us. And those are certainly things for us to to be excited about and to anticipate and celebrating the birth of this Christ child once again. And then I think there's a third reason why there's always this anticipation and celebration. It's because Jesus is God who is with us for all of life's needs. See, over 2,000 years ago, when God invaded history, invaded the earth, in that little town of Bethlehem, God came to be with us. And He is not only God with us, but as we've been reminded today, He is God for us. And He is God who is more than adequate for all of our needs in life. Even during this wonderful Christmas season, the reality the reality issues of life don't stop. We still deal with issues and burdens. I've had, I've had two funerals in the last couple of weeks. People dying at Christmas, and we think, isn't that terrible? Isn't that awful? And, you know, it kind of puts a, a damper on the Christmas celebration. I try to remind us, people, yes, but that's why God came as Emmanuel. But the reality is that everything else in life goes on just like it does if it was July and not December when we celebrate the birth of Christ. So you might find yourself here today and you're not really in a good place spiritually. It's just not the best season of your life. There might be several reasons. It might be the darkness of the unknown. You might be anxiously awaiting for some kind of test to come back. You're anxious about the results. Uh, Or you're waiting to hear from that job interview. Or the estimate on your car. Or you're concerned about the next round of downsizing at work. Or you're waiting for your final grades to be posted. Or you've got a financial crisis that you're dealing with at Christmas. You see, those things, they just simply don't go away because it's Christmas. But the reality is that God is here with us and for us to deal with all of that. Now, some of you could be here in the darkness uh, of, of sin because of the sins of other people, what people have done to you. Maybe somebody sinned against you. You're experiencing a time of darkness because they've cheated you out of something. They cheated you in the business world. They cheated you in a relationship or a marriage or something about life. And somehow, somewhere, somebody's done something to you, and you're sitting here in the darkness of that. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is God with us and God for us. And you can put your hope and trust in Him regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. Or you might be here in some form of darkness because of your own sin. We know that just because we come to know Christ and have a relationship with Him, we don't live perfectly after that. 
We make some dumb moves in life. We make some dumb choices and make dumb decisions in life, and they all have consequences. And you might have done something like this, and there's a cloud hovering over your life because of that. But once again, the reminder is that God is not only here with you, but God is here for you. And you can experience His light in the darkness. Or maybe you're here in the darkness of unbelief. You've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again. But you've never come to that point and place in your life where you have accepted and embraced Jesus as your Savior. You've never come to know the love and joy and peace and hope that can fill your life with a relationship with God. And so you need to come to know him as Savior and profess him during this wonderful, wonderful time. I think about what must have been going on this week over 2,000 years ago in heaven anticipating the birth of this child. And maybe one of the angels could have asked God, how did you choose this method? After they kind of got over the shock about the fact that God says, I'm going to go down to them. And angels are like, how are you going to do that? And God says, I'm going to become a baby. I'm going to go down. I'm going to be a part of them. And they say, well, how would you come to that decision? And God says, well, I want to communicate my love. If I were to go down as I am, they might be like Moses and be afraid of me. At my, my appearance, it might frighten them. Uh, if I were to simply to speak to them, my voice might frighten them, sounding like thunder. And they might not ever grasp my words of hope and love, but they would be fearful of me. And so God says, I chose to come down as a baby. Babies don't frighten people. Babies are soft and tender. They're helpless. Maybe somebody will hold the baby in their arms and they will touch the soft skin of this baby. Maybe they will hear the gentle sighs of this baby. and Maybe they will experience my love. If I send a baby. And so it's Emmanuel. God with us. The birth. Of Emmanuel. That God would come as a baby. So he wouldn't frighten us. But so he'd have the opportunity to build a relationship with us. So that we would come to know him through Christ as our Savior. In the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son as a baby. And the good news is, he's still here for you today. And if you've not accepted him and embraced him as Savior, then this is the time, the opportunity for you to do that. Come to the manger. See this Christ child. Know that this is God in the flesh who has come to be with you and who is for you. And it's here for all your experiences in life. Father, we thank you. We thank you we get to celebrate in this wonderful, wonderful season how much you love us. And that you would become flesh. You would take on the role of a baby. Being named Jesus because you would come in the form of Jesus to save us from our sins. And that you're here today for us. To offer us salvation. Redemption, forgiveness of our sins, freedom 
No more shame. No more guilt. May we come today, Father, not only knowing and claiming your presence through whatever uncertainty we might be facing right now, but that we might come also knowing the reality of the fact that you've come to us to bring us forgiveness and eternal life. And may there be some today who will come to accept and embrace this Christ child, this Jesus, this Emmanuel. We pray that in his name. Amen.